Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Clive Walsh, Managing Director of Malaloos of Delft, a provider of traditional British woolen fabrics since 1863. Clive, hello. Hi, Matthew. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming on the program today. And now, normally, I like to get straight over to the subject of leadership. Uh, but considering the ongoing COVID outbreak, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, how has this affected production? Well, it's affected it a great deal. Uh, we, we, we have 24 looms on site. Uh, unfortunately, uh, with, with a number of our large-scale customers being on lockdown, we've had to greatly reduce production. So we're running about 12 looms. Um, clearly, that's been with less staff as well because we've had a number on furlough. So it's, uh, we're, we're, we're limping along at what should be a really busy time. Now, when uh, the full staff are available to come back uh, to uh, the shop, uh, do you have uh, any plans on how you're going to deal with uh, the necessary precautions? We have things in place for sure. Yeah, we, we, we will follow the two-meter guidelines. We have everything in place to welcome everybody back. We are a large plant relatively low staff for the size of plants. So uh, it won't really be a problem in keeping people, you know, socially distancing. Obviously, there's new new things in place in terms of hand washing and things like that. Just the standard standard routine that, uh, that everybody's trying to apply. Now, each week on the podcast, we have a topical in-focus question. This week, it relates to the recent forced removal of the Edward Coulson statue in Bristol. Um, Now, our question is, is it ever appropriate to remove a historical statue? (laughs) That's a very good question. Um, Clearly, it's uh, it's, it's, it's hot topic at the moment. Um, I hope that the negotiations could be rather no i think uh, i think it's a, it's a delicate subject but but i think i think people should get together talk about things first and i'm an, i am a believer that things should be removed if it's causing offence now does that mean that we should remove any sort of uh, statue related uh, to anyone who had anything to do with the slave trade such as nelson or even thomas jefferson that that's not my feeling, to be honest. I think I read something on uh, Winston Churchill, and you'd much rather remember the good aspects that he brought. But uh, no, as I say, I don't think any anything should be forcibly removed. But I do mm-hmm. think there should be conversations had before it, so we understand. Everybody understands why why there's such ill feeling and why there's a demand. But certainly not. Uh, I wouldn't want to advocate that things are just removed willy nilly. I would hope that proper conversations can be had. Is it fair to force um, a modern morality, a modern perspective on a historical situation? Uh, is that I don't r- think it is fair. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think it is fair. No, I think I think history is what we pride ourselves on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's got this. This is why I think I think we have to discuss, and I think the people that are so adamant to have them removed need to understand the the, the historical nature of it all as well. Equally so, I think we are a, a modern day society, and we have to understand the the feelings of people that are uh, are affected. 
Well, it is interesting conversation to have, and uh, we certainly won't settle it in this short period of time. Uh, we should move on to the subject of leadership. I always like to start this part of the conversation off by asking the same simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? I think leader means I think we have to drive the company in the right direction, and I think it involves bringing the best out of our staff. We have, um, we have many, many highly skilled staff. Uh, quite an aging workforce, if truth be known. But I think I think my my role within the company is to guide the company in the right direction and to get the very best out of our staff. We want them happy to come to work. We want a nice environment to work in. Um, we need to get the product out on time to the proper quality standards. And and to do that, we need everybody on side and 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 rowing in the right direction. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? I like to think I'm, I'm, I'm a hands-on type. I like to think I can talk to everybody. It doesn't matter. Anybody on the shop floor, they, I have an open office policy. They can come to see me. I go to see them. We talk regularly, we, we, you know, in depth. I don't want, want any sort of standoffish. If anybody has any concerns with the environment or their role, within the company or anything, then then I am free to come and talk to. And I think uh, the, the, the conversations must always take place. Now, one of the aspects of leadership that a lot of people find difficult is when conflict arises in the workforce. What's your recipe for uh, negating this? Yeah, again, it's about communication. I think, you, you know, if there's conflict between two members of staff, then we have to sit down with both members and we have to find out what the issues are, you know, and I think uh, it, it, communication is the key. And I think you have to, you have to listen with an understanding ear to both parties and, and try to find a solution to, that, that satisfies all, all, all staff. Now, of course, um, we are in an interesting time with the, the COVID situation. Do you feel that people's leadership has had to adapt during this period? Absolutely adapt. I think I think uh, that's the key, really. I think we're all we are all learning day to day um, the, the the situation. Our company is being greatly affected by by the virus, and we have to find ways of going forward. We're all learning, me included. I think we're looking at uh, where I would we meet customers face to face most days. You know that that now has all changed. We're looking at digital forums and all manner of aspects about how we communicate with the outside world but uh, certainly we ha- we're, ha- we're having to develop everybody within the company now let's look at leadership on a much larger scale are there any leaders in business today uh, that are particularly inspirational for you yeah i think uh, i think uh, that's a difficult one to answer just to name individual names but uh, i know um I think the the government and the people at the top of the government at the moment have, have been well in for some uh, unfair criticism. I, I think uh, that there's there's a lot of issues that they have got wrong. There's no two words about it. But also there are things they've got right. And I think um, the furlough scheme, for example, I think it, 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 it's worked very well for our company. We we were hit by by huge cancellations around March and April, and we. To, 
without furlough, without the option to furlough, then we would have really struggled. I've, I've no two ways about it. Mm. Now it is our responsibility to try to face people back into work, and, and this is what we're doing at the moment. But uh, certainly that aspect has, has worked well, and uh, I'm sure the government have been through through the uh, through, through the ringer, as it were, and I think uh, they, 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 they have dealt with it as best they can. No. In terms of outside... Then you know, he, he, my, I speak to uh, similar people in the textile industry, you know, heads, and I think it's uh, it's been tough for everybody, but there are certainly some uh, some people that's led the way on that side. Now, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next twelve months have in store for Malaluz of Delft? Well, I think I think the, uh, the the COVID situation will affect our company for for, for years to come. As I said earlier in the conversation, we are now looking at uh, the digital forums. We are very much um, a seasonal-based company, so so we we are producing fabrics for the autumn-winter season. We've completed autumn-winter 20. Now we need to find a way to maximise business for autumn-winter 21. That starts with showing a seasonal collection. This is what we need to find a way to do it, whether, whether we can do it with open appointments which, which I think is going to be difficult for months to come. So we will start to do the digital approach. We'll contact customers. We'll try to present the collection successfully. And hopefully we can start to get some interest. Shops are now opening. They've opened recently at retail level. So hopefully sales start to generate. Autumn, winter people may be convinced and confident enough to go back out there and buy products. And then we, we start the whole cycle again. So, uh, but certainly, it's going to be a big learning curve for us for many months to come. Well, Clive, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program today. Um, and I'd love to have you back on the show when things get back to some semblance of normalcy. Clive, thank you. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank you. Goodbye. That was Clive Walsh, Managing Director of Malus of Delft. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago. 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and... um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a, there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. 
was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood. And of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it would be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about South Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. 
Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second, I think... Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt 
people talk about pressure a lot, and it's there, and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both, they're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one, it's too long for me to tell you, it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, but just had a, look, had a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions, and then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think, um, 
you were a young man when this happened, when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by, by quick, one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah. And, and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader, um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to. Uh, Acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's have a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence, these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even. Uh, certainly as a team, if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the, 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing. Astonishing. And do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, That's a good they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but 
the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. Yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good, good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't, and when, it, when you put those, those questions and how you categorize those, I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. It... We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude okay. alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. the word is the word is team. Absolutely, and I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without? in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. If you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top, managers and lead it, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm. I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, 
thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome, Bruce. It's good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go with the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.